Well, good morning once again, and welcome to this service of worship here at First Church in New Knoxville. We're really grateful you've decided to join us as we worship the Lord this morning. Whether you're here in person, listening on the radio, or watching online, we're really grateful that you are worshiping with us today. Before our call to worship this morning, I want to invite forward Dave Bumbar for a mission moment. He's here to share some information about Agape Ministries, which is our offering later in the service today. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, some of you might know and some of you may not. I serve as the, uh, on the board of directors of Agape uh, for our church. Agape serves people from St. Mary's, New Bremen, New Knoxville, and Minster, and was formed by all those churches in them, them uh, areas. Agape is really a business that we have, and it's, our mission is to help those people in need, uh, of course, with God's help. And I don't know how much, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time up here talking about it, but I'm not sure what everybody knows. But we have two sides at Agape. We have the client service side, and which includes the food pantry. Our director is Patty Hamilton from New Bremen. We also have our thrift store side, and our uh, director there is Deb Evans. We do a lot of uh, help, and we get a lot of support from a lot of different people. We open our doors uh, to Red Cross. If there's a catastrophe, if somebody loses their home and their possessions, we open our store to them and help them out. We have many different drives all year long, whether they're food drives or warm, warm coat drives or weekend power pack foods for kids that are on uh, reduced and free lunches at school. Um, we do a summer food program for those kids as well. When COVID hit back in 220, actually the number of people that we served was that went down. It actually went down because the government provided with other funds uh, for those people. In March of this spring, uh, those funds that the government had for food were reduced. So since that time, with uh, the reduced amount of money that the government provided, along with the inflation that we've all seen, uh, our client numbers have greatly increased. Uh, we've increased 230 families just this year. That's a great need that we have over there, uh, and it's something that I think is uh, biblically tells us that we are to help the, the poor, and I think that we've done a, an awesome and great job of it. And it, not to stand up here and talk about needing a lot more because we have been provided for. We have been so lucky in our communities with the help that we get. And we can't, I can't imagine or even begin to tell you all the people that have helped us with their food drives, being volunteers, monetary donations. We get corporate grants. We get donations. Walmart, Kroger's, uh, Cooper Foods. There are so many people out here that have helped in, in those needs in our area, and we just have a lot to be thankful for. So I just uh, want to also thank the church here as a continued uh, help in our mission over there at Agape. And if you ever get a chance to go to the store and, and shop, you'll find some great bargains and some great prices. And when you do your spring cleaning, if you've got things that you don't need, don't be afraid to come over and drop them off. And all those donations at the store are then turned and sold through the store, and that provides money to help us keep our food pantry going and, and keep our employees there that help. And we've just got a great group of employees over there also. And there are also many times uh, volunteer operations over there that if you 
see a need and want to volunteer, we're always looking for volunteers. So, again, I want to thank the church. I want to thank the communities. I want to thank everybody that does anything to help us at Agape to continue to uh, complete God's work and his mission in helping people in need. So, thank you. Well, thanks, Dave. And as I warned you, I'd love to pray for you and Agape uh, before we get started. But I also just want to remind everybody that remind everyone there are plenty of ways for us to support Agape and the mission that they have in this community. Uh, today's offering is going to support them so we can give financially. Uh, throughout the year, we also have opportunities to give in other ways. VBS, the, can, the food drive at VBS is a regular way that we support them, as well as the warm coat drive that we do. And, and as Dave said, we can bring donations to the, 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 to the thrift store with Agape Ministries. We thank you for the good work that they do in this community in a variety of ways through their thrift store, as well as through their client services. Thank you for people like Dave and the other directors, uh, the, the rest of the board and the other directors, Lord, and the volunteers who make this ministry possible. We pray that you provide for this ministry uh, throughout this year, Lord. Thank you that we have the opportunity as a church to give to them today through our offering and for the variety of ways that we're able to give throughout the year. Lord, help us to always remember how important it is to support ministries like Agape because they are really doing uh, important work in our community, providing for those who are in need. And so we pray that this offering today, as well as uh, the giving throughout the year would go to support that very important cause. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Dave. This time, if you're able, I invite you to stand as we say our call to wor- as we hear our call to worship this morning. It is taken from Isaiah chapter 55. Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not and nations you do not know will come rushing to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Now let us continue standing and worship the Lord together in song.
Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we come humbly before you in your throne of glory and grace. We thank you for being our great high priest who we can go directly to for our needs and requests. Thank you for all things in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. May the presence of your spirit surround us in this place, in each of our lives, in our families, in all that we do. As we come off another Christmas season, we're reminded of the importance of your heavenly son, Jesus Christ. But Lord, help us understand. That's a celebration of Jesus And his birth shouldn't just be during the Christmas season. It should be every day. Lord, as we enter another new year, help us turn our eyes upon Jesus all the days of our lives. We love the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you again for the blessings you provide for us, church. We pray for Pastor Joel and Youth Pastor Tori. And thank you for guiding them and giving them the talent to teach your word. We pray for Sharon and Beth and their leading of our very talented music ministry. We also pray for all those that lead our children and adult Sunday school ministries. Thank you for all the teachers as well as the leaders and those that volunteer their time. And thank you to those involved with making it possible for our service to be on the radio and internet. Thank you for providing all these people with the desire to serve others and glorify your kingdom, Lord. Father, we also thank you again for the truth of your word. John 1 tells us that your word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This can only mean that Jesus is the word and he is truth. Jesus will never fail us. Jesus is the light we need when darkness surrounds us. You also tell us in Luke 11 that blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We pray and ask that you etch this scripture into our hearts so that we won't forget this promise. Help us remain obedient and trustworthy to your word, Lord. Lord, we take this opportunity to lift up to you all the folks of our church community that need your healing and strengthening touch. And Lord, we know there are many others in this world that need you as well. May your loving hand provide them exactly what they need, Lord. We pray that you provide the comfort and strength that they need to persevere. Lord, there are also many people in this world that need you more than ever from a spiritual perspective. We pray for the lost. Those that don't know Jesus and don't have a relationship with Jesus, we pray that they recognize their sinful ways, repent, accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and begin to experience a love and peace that only Jesus can provide. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He was sent to the cross more than 2,000 years ago to shed his blood for everyone and provide the free gift of eternal life. We thank you again for this ultimate sacrifice and pray all of this in the gracious name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And may the children come forward for the children chat. Good morning. How are we doing today? Good. All right. All right. Just come sit right here. You're fine. Good deal. All right. How are we doing today? Good. All right. So, what is today? New Year's Eve. So, that means tomorrow starts a new year, right? What year is it going to be? 2024. Do you all have big plans for tonight? Yeah. You do? How many of you do how many of you think you're going to be able to see the ball drop at midnight? Huh. Well, good for you. I probably won't. But that's okay. You know, with part part of a new year, people think it's like a new beginning. And they make something called New Year's resolutions. Have you ever heard of them? Do you know what they are? What are something that you have to do to improve? Okay. So, who are you making this promise to? To yourself, right? And to Jesus, but it's pretty much to yourself. Now, when you make a promise to somebody else, you feel the need that you have to stick with it, right? Because you said you were going to do it. But when you make a promise to yourself, is it as easy to keep that promise? Not usually. Not usually. And so sometimes we make these New Year's resolutions and we might decide, you know, I'm going to I'm going to work out every day. I'm not going to eat any more sweets. I'm going to read my Bible every day. Um, I'm going to pick up my toys. I'm going to do my homework as soon as I get home from school. Those could be New Year's resolutions, right? Could you guys do that? Do your homework as soon as you get home from school? Help mom with the chores without being asked? I mean, those are all things you could tell yourself that you're going to do, right? But it's between you and... And God. And sometimes those promises are pretty easy to break whenever we don't like tell somebody else about them or maybe write them down because, you know, it's just in our brain and we're, and our mind is telling ourselves, nobody's going to know that you said you were going to do that. So if you don't feel like doing it today, it's not that big of a deal. Nobody else is going to know. Do you ever think like that? Yeah. Yeah? I do too. I do too. Well, you know, God gave us a lot of promises through the Bible, right? And God, does God keep his promises? 
yes, God always keeps his promises. Well, God made a promise to a man named Simeon, okay? And pay attention, because this is our Sunday school lesson today, okay? So God made a promise to Simeon. Simeon was a very old man who had waited his whole life to see God's promise come to himself and God's people. God had promised to send the Messiah or the Savior of the world. Who was that? Jesus, right, Jesus. And God promised Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the promised Messiah. So a few days after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to have Jesus dedicated. And Simeon lived at the temple, okay? And as soon as Simeon saw baby Jesus, he knew that God had kept that promise. Simeon took Jesus into his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now let your servant die in peace. You have promised. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all the people. So that was Simeon. Now, there was a lady who lived at the temple also, and her name is Anna. Okay? And she was always at the temple worshiping and praying. And when she heard what Simeon was saying, she too praised God and told everyone that Jesus was the Savior that God had promised. So even though sometimes we don't keep our promises to ourselves, God always keeps his promise. So as we are getting ready to prepare for a new year, let us remember that God is faithful in keeping his promises, and that we should be faithful in keeping those promises that we want to make for ourselves. So maybe you write them down. Maybe you draw a picture of them, of one thing maybe that you want to do this next year, and make it a promise that you try not to break. Okay? So, let's say a quick prayer. Dear God, Just as you are faithful to keep your promises, help us be faithful in keeping our promises, even the ones to ourselves that we think are a good idea today and in a week we're not so sure about. Be with these children as we go into a new year. Keep us healthy. Keep us safe. Help us to be God's hands and feet so that as we go out and spend time with our friends and in school, that we can show them what it means to have Jesus living in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can head back to your seats. Thanks, Maria. It's a good reminder of God's faithfulness. We've all had countless broken New Year's resolutions, haven't we? We've attempted uh, something at the beginning of the year and didn't follow through, but it's a good reminder that God never breaks His promises and He is always faithful. As I said at the start of our service, our offering this morning goes to support Agape Ministries, um, and I encourage you to give as you feel led to give today. Uh, if you have a, um, um, if you would like to give today, that is going to support Agape. I encourage you to do so. Um, and as I mentioned earlier too, there's plenty of ways that we can also support Agape throughout the year. Let's pray for a moment and ask for God's blessing upon this offering. Father God, we thank you for that we have an opportunity to give back to you out of the 
the abundance that you have given us. And I pray that this offering would go to support the work that Agape is doing in this community. We thank you for the ways that they're able to help families in need. And we pray that these, these uh, gifts that we give today would, be, would go to support that ministry and that purpose. Uh, we thank you for all these things and pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Revelations, chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, which is page 1,253 in your pew Bible. 
Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of the God and the the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need light, the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. You may be seated. Thank you, Maria. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word once again this morning. And as we turn our attention to Revelation 22, I just ask, Lord God, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And may your Holy Spirit give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Before we uh, just jump right in here, I want to take a moment and just congratulate those of you who were who stuck with the Bible reading plan uh, that we had for this year. Today is December 31st, which means if you've done your reading for today, that means you have completed your journey through the whole Bible. So I just, I know that's a tall task. And speaking of New Year's resolutions that don't always get finished, this is one that many people start, but don't always see the finish line on. So for those of you who did accomplish that, I, I congratulate you. And I pray that the Lord is able to use that in your life in a very positive way. Uh, for those of you who began it and didn't finish it or, or maybe are a little uh, behind, I want to encourage you to keep at it. You know, there's no, there's no scripture in the Bible that says thou shalt finish reading the Bible in one year, right? It's a good idea. It's a good practice. But there is no time frame on when you must complete this or if you must complete it. And so the most important thing and the reason why we started this 365 days ago was, was because we see the importance of being in the Word every day, having that regular rhythm in your life of reading the Scriptures and, and spending that time with the Lord. So even if you weren't able to stick with this plan or you did a different one or maybe you're a little bit behind, I just encourage you to keep it up. Keep finding that time every day to spend in the Word and in prayer, spending that time with the Lord. And if you're looking for something to do in 2024, it doesn't hurt to start it all over again or find a different plan that, that suits you. I was just talking with Jake before the service about chronological reading plans, right? Reading through the Bible from a chronological perspective. And there's lots of plans like that out there. So whatever is, uh, whatever may be helpful to you, uh, I encourage you to continue reading the Bible through 2020 in 2024. Maybe for you, that's just a deep dive in one book. You just spend a lot of time in the Gospel of John, reading it and meditating on it and studying it. But whatever it looks like, I encourage you to continue to be in the Word in 2024. Now, as we think about this past year, uh, none of us on January 1st, 2023, knew what this year would bring. Right? None of us could predict the ups and downs that you may have experienced in your life. Nobody could certainly predict the things that happened around the world during this past year. Um, that's why, that's why planning New Year's resolutions or other sorts of things are so difficult at times because we don't know how things are going to end up. 
planning for the best, but preparing for the worst, right? Is a, is a motto we've heard a lot over the last few years. None of us know how things are going to turn out in our lives. But as we read through scripture and as we come to the end of the book of Revelation, we can have confidence that we know how things are going to end. And it's interesting that God is bringing things full circle. As far as scripture goes, God really is bringing us right back to where we started. Because if you look at Genesis 1 and 2 and God creating the world and everything in it, God placing Adam and Eve in this garden to know him, love him, and serve him. We see in Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, God is bringing his people right back to where they started in relationship with him, dwelling with him and his people forever. See, that was God's plan all along, was to bring us back into relationship with him. And the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is the story of how God accomplished that purpose for us in our lives. We may not know the future. We may not know how things are going to turn out, but God does. And he has been working from the beginning to bring us back into relationship with him. See, the Christian's ultimate destination, if you are in Christ, if you have put your faith in him, you can have complete 100% confidence that your destination will be to end up with God and his people forever. That's what these closing chapters of Revelation teach us. That God will once again dwell with his people forever. And there's a few things that we can, we can pull from these verses that help us to understand what that's going to look like. And the first thing that we see here is that, is that God is bringing us eternal life so that we may live forever with him. This imagery of the tree and the river are drawn from Ezekiel 47 as well as other passages of Scripture. The end of Ezekiel, which is a, a weird enough book on its own, right? Uh, but the end of Ezekiel ends with several chapters of a description of this new temple that will be built. Now, the description of it is unlike the temple that is found in, that was found in Jerusalem during Jesus' day. But yet it is very similar to the description that we read in Revelation 21 and 22. And two of the distinctive characteristics of that temple in Ezekiel are the trees along the river and this river of life that flows from the throne of God. You see, what I think Ezekiel was pointing us to was this new heavens and new earth that one day God will recreate all things and that he will dwell with his people forever. And so um, Revelation 22 talks about this river of the water of life, clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God. This is that living water that Jesus spoke of in John chapter 4. As he meets with a Samaritan woman by the well, he tells her that he has living water to offer and that those who drink of that water will never thirst again. She, she thinks he's got some other source of water that she can draw from, like they're drawing water from that well. But Jesus isn't talking about physical water. He's talking about the source of eternal life that is found in him and in him alone. He is the one who can bring eternal life to the people who trust in him. In Revelation 21, 6, probably maybe a more familiar passage uh, at the end of, of the Bible here. In Revelation 21, 6, it says, He said to me, it is done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. See, that's the invitation that God gives to each one of us, is that we can drink from the water of life without cost. That Jesus has made eternal life available to us. And that all we have to do is is go to Him and, and drink. Go to Him and be filled, be satisfied. Because that water of life, that eternal life, is found nowhere else. Revelation 22 also talks about the tree of life. And this, once again, brings us all the way back to the Garden of Eden at the beginning of Genesis. If you recall, there's two trees that are described at the beginning of Genesis. There's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in Genesis 3, when the serpent tempts Adam and Eve, he tempts them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they do. And it says in that moment, their eyes are open and they, they realize their, their nakedness and their shame. That was the way sin entered into the world, through that one act of disobedience. And so the tree of the knowledge of good and evil led to sin and the curse. It led to spiritual death and separation from God. But here we see in Revelation 22 that, that, they are, that God's people are given access to the tree of life. See, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were then barred from Eden forever. God kicked them out so that they could not eat from the tree of life. Now, it seems like a very strange kind of thing. Why would God kick them out and, and bar access to this tree of life? Well, the reason is God had to deal with the sin problem first. God had to fix the problem that Adam and Eve made by, through their disobedience. And then and only then are God's people allowed access to the tree of life. You see, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil led to sin and corruption and separation from God. But eating from the tree of life, which God gives access to here in Revelation 22, eating from the tree of life leads to eternal life and reconciliation with God. It's, the, it's for the restoration of all things. So God here in Revelation 22 is, is granting, through Christ, granting us eternal life. He also says that there, is no, there will no longer be any curse. Verse 3, there will no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. Again, the curse is a reference to the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin and the impact that all of us from Adam and Eve on down have experienced. Right? What is the curse as described in Genesis 3? Well, it's broken relationship with God, with His people, with creation. It's spiritual death, right? Separation from God forever. That is the curse as described in Genesis 3. And you see the ramifications of that just echoing throughout Scripture. Right? That, God, that people, because of their sin, have been separated from God and need, it, need, need sin to be dealt with in order to be restored. But in the new heavens and new earth, in this new Jerusalem, the curse will be no more. Again, I encourage you to flip back one page to Revelation 21, verse 4. Describing this new heavens and new earth, the Apostle John says, He will wipe away every tear. This is God speaking, or referring to God. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In other words, what, what John is communicating here is that in the new heavens and new earth, the curse 
sin and the effects of sin will all be gone. It will be a thing of the past. So there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because those things will all be gone. The curse itself will be eliminated. And the curse through Christ is now reversed. Uh, you guys know I'm a big baseball fan. And back in the uh, 2004 baseball season, my St. Louis Cardinals, my favorite baseball team, was playing the Boston Red Sox in the World Series. Now, if you know anything about your baseball history, you know that the Red Sox were under the curse of the Bambino. Back in the ni- 1918, I think it was, they traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees, right? That's how Babe Ruth ended up on the Yankees. And from that point forward, the Red Sox never won a World Series. And they called it the curse of the Bambino. They were under this uh, curse for over well, almost, what, 86 years, I think it turned out to be. Um, and of course, the year that they reversed the curse, the year that the curse is broken, they just happened to be playing my favorite team in the World Series. So I got to enjoy the other end of it. But that was their rallying cry throughout the season was reverse the curse, right? Reverse the curse. They had a miraculous comeback against the Yankees in the postseason and then, and then swept the Cardinals in the World Series. And that was the end of Boston's curse. And they went on to, in fact, win a couple more World Series since then. But what we see in Revelation is, is that in Christ, the curse of sin has been reversed. Because of Christ, there is no more curse. There is no more sin. There is no more death. There is no more pain. All of those things are gone and will no longer exist. And that leads us to then having a close personal relationship with God. Notice how God's presence is described in these verses. It says that His throne will be in the middle of the city. In other words, it is is right there, smack dab in the center of God's people. And in one sense, this new heavens and new earth is like a, it's like the holy of holies at the center of the temple. That that room at the center of temple that no one was allowed to go in was, was like part of God's throne room. It was sometimes referred to as God's footstool. Right? It, was, it was the focal point of God's presence among His people. And so what we see now is that there is no more temple. Right? There is no more holy of holies. Rather, God's throne is right there in the center of His people. They don't have to go somewhere special to meet with God because God is dwelling right there in their midst. The hope we have to look forward to is that God will once again dwell with His people in unbroken fellowship, right? Everything that we experience in this life, right? Our relationship with God is, is, is real, but it's only in part, right? Because we are still in one sense separated from him, right? Christ has, Christ has removed the barrier. Christ has, has conquered sin and death on the cross. But in one sense, we are, we don't have that full experience of that relationship with God, but one day, one day we will, one day it says here that we will see His face. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses is meeting with the Lord on Mount Sinai, and Moses has a request. He asked the Lord to he asked the Lord for permission to see His glory, to see the Lord in all of His glory. Now the Lord reminds Moses, and it's seen elsewhere throughout Scripture, that that no one can see the face of the Lord and live. In other words, God is so holy, God is so pure, God is so righteous, that no one can see His face and survive. 
And so the Lord makes an accommodation for Moses. He, he grants him his request, but, but the Lord hides Moses in the cleft of a rock and covers him up. And then it says that the Lord allows his glory to pass by. And, and Moses just catches the, the glimpse of the little glimpse is enough to set Moses' face aglow, literally aglow with glory and majesty. Moses' face radiated the glory of God after that one small glimpse as he passed by. But what does Revelation 22 say? It says that one day we will see the Lord face to face. That there will no longer need to be any accommodations. There will no longer need to be any separation or barrier. But one day when we stand in the presence of the Lord, we will see him face to face in all of his glory and all of his goodness. Because there will be no more sin or curse to get in the way. Paul alluded to this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. This is the end of that great chapter on love. And Paul says this, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. See, that's our hope, isn't it? That one day when we go to be with the Lord, we will be fully known by Him and we will fully know Him as well. As much as we can know the Lord. But we will have a close personal relationship with him. He will dwell among his people and we will see his face. In fact, it says that he will place, our, our name will be, his name will be on our foreheads. And was, God is placing a seal of ownership on us, right? And we see that throughout the New Testament as well. Second Corinthians uh, 1, 21 through 22 says that, that God places a seal of ownership on us. He gives us his Holy Spirit as this deposit down payment of our inheritance that is to come. See, if you've trusted in Christ, if you've given your life to Him, then He has given you His Holy Spirit. That God's Spirit dwells in you as this down payment, as this seal of ownership that you belong to God. That God has bought you with the price of, of the, the blood of His dearly loved Son and that you belong to Him. What great reassurance that is. What great hope that that is. That, that God loves us so much that He has placed His seal of ownership on us. And that we belong to Him. See, this eternal life, this close personal relationship with God, the, the breaking of the curse, that's all made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus. You see, grace is free to us. This water of living, this living water costs us nothing because it costs Jesus everything. Grace is free because it costs Jesus everything to purchase us by His blood. Galatians 3.13 reminds us that Jesus broke the curse by becoming a curse for us. In other words, He took our sin upon Himself. When He died on the cross, He took your sin and my sin, and He hung there, paying the price that none of us could pay on our own. And in doing so, He destroyed the power of death. He destroyed the very power that sin holds over us and sets us free so that we may love Him and serve Him forever. Now, I, I want to ask this, this question for us. As we wrap up this kind of uh, journey through Scripture that we have been on this year, as we reflect on how God is bringing us back to where we started to know Him, to love Him, and serve Him, we ask ourselves, why is this so important? Well, one, it helps us 
to understand Scripture as a whole. If you were to take the Bible, right? If you were to take this and you were to remove all of the chapters in the Bible that dealt with the reality of sin, right? That described the effects of sin in this world. You'd be left with four chapters. You'd have Genesis 1 and 2, and you'd have Revelation 21 and 22. Those are the only four chapters in the Bible that don't uh, deal with the reality of sin in this world. And you get the story of the Garden of Eden, God creating all things in the story of the Garden of Eden, and you get the story of this new heavens and the new earth, the, the recreation of all things. And in both those bookends, the two chapters at the beginning of our Bible, the two chapters at the end, you get the story of God dwelling with his people in that perfect relationship with him. And so Genesis 3 to Revelation 20, all those chapters in between are the story of how God rescues his people from sin, how he destroys the power that sin holds over us. And right at the center of that story is the cross and the empty tomb of Christ. See, all of Scripture is centered on that one story. Everything that God is doing from Genesis 3 to Revelation 20 is rescuing us from our sin. And the way that he accomplishes that is by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, raising him again to eternal life, to open the way to eternal life for all who believe in him. That is the rescue plan. That is what scripture teaches us. Knowing where we're, knowing where we're headed also helps us understand the direction of our own lives. God is always working towards this end. God's plan throughout history is to bring us to that end, to be with Him forever. And so we ask ourselves, how does our life, how does my life fit into that story? Well, these closing chapters of Scripture make it clear that there is a clear divide at the end of time. There are those that are in Christ who will be welcomed into, into this new heavens and new earth to dwell with God forever. And there are those that are outside of Christ, those that have rejected Him and His plan of salvation. I encourage you to be on the right side when that time comes. I encourage you to put your faith in Christ so that you can be with Him forever. That's where God wants to take us. That's where God wants to take you. And I encourage you to put your faith in Him. Our salvation does not depend on our theology test or our performance review. Thank the Lord. We are saved by faith in Christ. If you are in Christ, then when the Father, when you stand before the Father on that day, when He looks at you, He does not see your sin or your mistakes. He does not see your shortcomings. He sees the perfect obedience of His beloved Son. And so I encourage you to orient your life toward heaven. Know your destination, right? We all use GPS nowadays on our phone or, or another device. All you got to do is type in the direction and it'll tell you where to go. If we know our destination, if we know this is where God has taken us, then we should orient our lives so that we can get there as quickly, as, as, as faithfully as possible. And finally, if we know our destination, it helps us to understand how to share the gospel with others. It's important not to start our, our gospel presentation in Genesis 3. Right? Sometimes we just go right to, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That is a true fact of the gospel. But if we understand where we started and where we're going, we realize there's more to the story than that. 
that God created us to know Him, love Him, and serve Him, that there was a, a perfect relationship with Him before sin entered the world. And that God is working, everything God is doing is to restore that relationship. And yes, dealing with sin is a major part of how God is working in this world. So we do need to acknowledge the ways that we've contributed to that. We do need to realize our sin, confess it and repent. But it also helps us to know that where we started and where God is taking us. We can clearly see what God is trying to do to bring us back to Him. And the invitation in the closing chapters of Revelation is the same as it is throughout Scripture. That anyone can drink from the water of life without cost. But that invitation is open to all who are willing to put their trust in Christ. And so what is holding you back today? What is holding you back from experiencing that salvation for yourself? To know so that you can know with sharing that good news with others. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have given us your word so that we know your plan and purpose for us. We know where we're headed, Lord. We know that you have, uh, you are working all things together so that we may dwell with you forever. I pray, Lord God, that everyone here today can experience that salvation for themselves and also be bold and willing to share that good news with others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we close our service of worship today. I invite you to stand and sing our closing song, Hymn of Heaven.
that day we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the Lamb who was saved and on that day and on that day